Go with me to Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. We're going to continue. Well, for those of you taking notes, let me just make sure I say the right thing so that you have a title, Redemption in Christ. I just, there's so many things going through my heart that the Lord's speaking about. I just want to make sure we're on the right one, right? Amen. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. I was saying to my wife driving here this morning, I saw a father taking his daughter into a coffee shop, and I don't misread this, but I said to my wife, I said, now maybe he's going to church, but is he teaching her about coffee? Or is he teaching her about the gospel of Jesus Christ? A time when people generally know this is the time to assemble and hear the word of God. And so as a father, if he does not bring truth to his daughter, it's not her fault. But what will become of her life? And again, amen. amen. This is not judgment. This is the urgency that we need to understand as we walk in life. Because we're not playing church. We're living a lifestyle in Christ that he paid for with his blood. So we never have to be under the barrel, but shouting from the top of the barrel. Come on, family. Come on. It's easy. It's easy to do the things of the world. And so the Bible says here, among whom also we once conducted ourselves, speaking of a lost world, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, watch, and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But then the good news comes in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, that bears repeat. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Then the Bible says in verse 6, and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
this passage of Scripture 2 verse 10 is so rich and weighty with the promises of God that we literally should be screaming hallelujah. And I'm not asking you to do that, but think about this and raised up together. And I've got some good news here, and I hope that spiritually you will pick up what the Holy Ghost wants us to hear today. Not to look at where you are, but to remind yourself of the redemption of Jesus Christ that you enjoy and allow it, it's outworking because that's what's happening. And that redemption doesn't cease when we go to heaven. I'm going to show you that from the Bible. It continues. And so the exhortation by the Holy Ghost this morning to each one of us is that we're not just hanging in hoping to get through till Jesus comes. No, we're living a life in Christ bringing hope to a lost and a dying world. Come on. And we get to enjoy those fruits in this time. Amen. 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 I was I had to go to Cape Town on a and a, on a thing um, on Friday, he came back yesterday morning. And as I was going on the plane, I looked, there was a man. He seemed a very pleasant man. We were in line with him and his wife, and he was standing there. And I just became aware of him. How many of you know that's the Holy Ghost? But he was a little bit, his wife was between us, so I couldn't quite get to him. But I, I just kind of like eavesdropped, not on the conversation, but I thought... You seem a very kind man, just listening to, and I can't even tell you what they were talking about, but just the way he was addressing his wife. But then as we boarded, I saw that he couldn't walk properly. And I immediately thought of the blessedness that I enjoy. At 68, no physical disability. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the redemption of Christ at work in my body and has been for 40 years. I haven't had any major operations. The last operation I had was my tonsils at five. <laughs> Jesus. And here he walks. I'll get on the platform so you can see. I was woken this morning when I woke. He was still on my mind. And I said, Lord, what, what was wrong with him? Now, I, can't, I didn't get an unction to talk to him. But he walked something like this. So it looked like he had knees that weren't his knees. But my thought is, what did your parents do? Did they tell you about Jesus? Or did you grow up in a godless house as I did? But by the grace of God, God called me in to the kingdom. Not as a broken man but through negotiation. Do you understand? I'm not being arrogant. His love, I was not a broken man. 
But his love knows no respect of persons. So whether you're broken, half broken, completely broken, or non-broken, he calls you. He loves you. He brings you into the fullness of his love. So I want you sitting here today to be thankful for your redemption in Christ Jesus. Don't take your salvation lightly. Don't think it's just something that God had to do. He didn't. On the cross, there were three of them, right? One was Jesus. Two were robbers. Only one saw the opportunity of salvation. The other cursed Jesus. Can you imagine that within hours he would see that that truly was the Christ? But he had an opportunity, just like the other guy. So, let's be thankful for these amazing promises. But God, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this slightly different as we go into the message, this verse 4, because I think it will open. Well, the Holy Ghost opened it to me in a different way. And so, and it's still biblical. I got a pastor in the front here. He'll correct me if I'm preaching heresy. Um, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, this is like a spiritual roller coaster ride that you haven't seen. There's no ride like this in the earth. Watch this in verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show you the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So your problems are not God's problems. There's a kindness in God that wants those problems solved. But of course it takes your agreement. Amen. Amen. But look at this. That in the ages to come, you start practicing now. He might show you the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not by yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And pre-adventure, should you be sitting here this morning and thinking that God is not particularly interested in you, I have a special message in verse 10 for you. For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus. This knows no exception. If you know Jesus and you've been brought to Jesus, his workmanship, and I don't have time to unpack all this, in Christ Jesus is at work with you, in you, for good works. And God prepared these works before 
that we should walk in them. So what am I telling you? There is no coincidence. And in case you have this concept that you are predestined to serve God or to go to hell, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You are not predestined. You are given an opportunity. God has a plan for each and every human being born in the earth. But the choice remains theirs as to whether they will accept his gift of love, which is Christ Jesus, and then respond willingly to his love as he reaches out to touch our lives. That's your heavenly father, not the one that religion teaches you. Your father in heaven is love. That's what he is. That's who he is. And that's who is at work within us. Amen. Amen. So this morning, you must get your vision up because there's a workmanship of God at work within you. So I, I want to go back to this in Christ, which I touched on last week. Jesus in Christ is a fixed position in redemption. So in other words, what does that mean? It literally means you are in redemption. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, you are in redemption. That's what it is. And that redemption entitles you and I, irrespective of a geographical area, a time period in our life. In other words, I'm too young, I'm too middle-aged, I'm too late garbage. Because in Christ, that speaks to a time period. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why faith is so important because it causes us to believe in the present time to influence the future. So when we get to the future, guess who's there? Christ Jesus giving us faith for the next step. So he's always, if you're in him, you always are walking in faith, or should be, according to the word of God. Amen. And it doesn't matter what your emotional dispensation is at any given time. We don't serve him out of emotions. We serve him as an act of our will. Come on, we've got to remember this. Because if we wake up in the morning and the bird isn't singing as it should sing, then we think it's just a terrible life, this. And here I am having to go and slave for this boss who doesn't appreciate anything. Well... Yeah, let me help you on that one as an employer. You shouldn't be working for your boss. You should be working as unto the Lord. And if you work as unto the Lord, then he rewards you and he causes favor to come in the eyes of your boss upon your life. Ask Carol. She works for us. She doesn't have to ask us for an increase. God tells me. Amen. Putting Carol on the spot here. Come on. Come on. We need to see this. This is redemption at work. I don't know what we think redemption is sometimes. An experience that we have when we get saved. Yes, that's the initial stages, but that's really just the seed. Now we've got to let it grow. Now we've got to let it grow. So these verses should bring a confidence in our heart and minds 
of God's unquestionable love for us as mankind. We're speaking on redemption in Christ. Now I want to go to that verse 4. Ephesians 2 verse 4. And I want us to, I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to read it as those words, if you unpack them in the Greek, what it would sound like, because it brings a completely different dimension. So I'll read it first, as it is written, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love. The Bible doesn't use words like great because it's got nothing to say. That's why the Bible asks us to meditate. Because of his great love with which he loved you. His great love. See, when you understand somebody loves you, it builds self-worth. It builds a confidence. It causes you to respond completely differently in your life. When you understand somebody loves you, not to bring down the sovereignty of God, but he's always got your back. That's why there's no in the, if you look in, in Ephesians, am I right? In Ephesians, the, the armor of God, there's nothing on the back. It's all in the front. Because nobody can come from the back. God won't allow that. So let's read this slightly differently. But God, let me help you, otherwise you might get a bit lost. I'm going to change rich, I'm going to change mercy, and I'm going to change great to the original. That's how I'm going to read it. But God, who is abounding with a desire to relieve your suffering because of his plenteous love with which he has loved you. That's your Bible. That's your Father. He is misrepresented horribly, not by the world, by the church. Religion misrepresents him completely. Completely. Can you see? Let me read that to you again because this is God's love note to each one of you this morning. I don't say that lightly. I mean every word I'm saying. But God, who is abounding with a desire to relieve you of all suffering because of his plenteous love, with which he has loved you. Now you notice, love will cause you to respond in a particular way, but you don't get God's attention because of works. 
Do you understand? It's very important that we understand this. It's because we respond to his love. That's what redemption is all about. The law of the kingdom of God is love. The law of the kingdom of darkness is fear. And so we need to understand the two and understand what's transpiring here. So being born again of God's Spirit. Once you are born again of God's Spirit, restoration begins immediately. What is restoration? You will often hear me reference restoration. Because I am on a journey of restoration till Jesus comes. Because I do not have, you may, but I'm not there yet. I don't have every one of these promises working in overflow. But I'm working to get. Some areas are overflowing more than other areas. But that's what I want you to see, that the work of restoration, the moment you became born again of God, unconsciously, because you didn't know, immediately, now with the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, being born again of the Spirit of Christ within you, now that restoration process begins and continues in us. Everybody say, continues in us. And here's the condition. As long as we allow the Holy Ghost to guide us. If we don't let the Holy Ghost guide us, God will not force us. Always remember this. Well, why isn't God doing something? Because he's done everything. He's now waiting on you and I to activate the faith in our redemption, the completed work of Christ, to fulfill the fullness. Can you see? So it's extremely important that we remember this. I want us to look at something here. I want us to go to, uh, this may spoil your lunch. Um, I want us to go to Matthew 19 in the context of redemption. By the time God, the Holy Ghost, is finished with this subject with you, I don't know how long it's going to go, if it's going to be finished after today, because there's so much more to say. But by the time he's finished, he will have equipped us to understand the victories that we have in Christ Jesus. So Matthew 9, verse 28, 29, and 30, talking in the context of redemption. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, now let's just put this into context. Um, the rich young ruler has been has been spoken to. And the disciples are now, well, you know, he didn't quite cut it. 
and he moved on and, and he never picked up on eternal life. And you, you said it's impossible, talking to Jesus, you said it's impossible if you trust in riches to get into the kingdom. Well, that's exactly right because you shouldn't be trusting in, in riches. However, Jesus then takes them aside and he expounds what's possible with God. What may be impossible with what is impossible, not maybe, what's impossible with man is possible with God. When you get into the possibilities of God, then they flow into the possibilities of man in Christ Jesus. Do you understand? Okay. So God doesn't work apart from you. The Holy Ghost, let me be more specific. The Holy Ghost doesn't work apart from you. He works with you. Come on. He works with you. If you choose to sit on your butt and do nothing, he'll sit down next to you. And that's it. Now, he'll try and encourage you to move and believe. But if you don't, there's nothing he can do. That's the amazing part about living the life of faith in Christ Jesus. So let's get into verse 28, 29, and 30 in the context of being born again. And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, he's now talking about another time, he's talking about a dispensation that's coming. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones. First reference to the disciples, but inclusive of the body of Christ. Will sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you understand the magnitude of this? If only I could have been Peter. If only I could have. And you go through great people. But the Bible's, the Lord's giving us an insight. And that's not what the message is about. But redemption starts here and continues there. That's what I want you to get. Inclusive of a life on the earth where you learn to reign. Can you see? Okay. Then he makes the statement in verse 29. And everyone who has left houses and brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children, or lands, for my sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. He's not speaking against family. He is prioritizing your decision making that it is not influenced by family. Because the family who's influencing you may actually have no faith may be actually dull 
when it comes to spiritual perception, please don't tell me they know their Bible. Show me they walk by faith in their Bible. That's the distinction of the body of Christ. Not knowing the Bible, lots of people know the Bible. Even the devil knows the Bible, but he's not going to heaven. Now, of course, you should know the Bible, but you should know it from a revelation perspective where the Holy Ghost has taught you and I how to live victoriously in our redemption in this day and age. Amen. Amen. Then finally, look here, but many who are first will be lost, and the lost will be first. If you watch that God is no respecter of persons, and you become aware of this scripture, you will see he responds to people who have faith in him. So it doesn't matter how long you've served the Lord. A two-year-old in the Lord can come screaming by. You know, many years ago, we just got saved, and some of you know the story, but I believe it will bear repeat in this context. And I went to a home cell, and I literally knew nothing. I mean, I think I knew Genesis. But I literally knew nothing. And as I walked into this home cell, we call it in community, as I walked into the home cell after a few weeks, newly born again, the lady sitting there who was leading, who was an area leader because they had different structures because there was a revival going on, turned around and said, this man must start a cell group. And in the company were all the spiritual Sanhedrin of the church. <laughs> Pharisees and Sadducees were there. I saw them with my own two eyes. And suddenly, and suddenly, I found out, love went out the door. The green man arrived. Oh, yes. And the bun fight was on. I'm sitting there in a tennis match. What happened? Well, they had been serving the Lord for a long time. They were second jerk, cum laude, students, and had things this long in terms of what they, not only spiritual Bible school, but also from universities, etc., etc. But God decided different. I and my wife were stupid enough to believe God, not them. We've never looked back. Can you see? I was the last. They were the first, but I became the first. None of them actually did a home sale that I can recall. Well, not during that time that we were there. Are you with me? So I want you to say to you this morning that once you are born again of the Spirit of God, a zikor excuses. If you're waiting, what are you waiting for? God's sitting in heaven waiting too. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. Because he cannot override your will. He created you in his image and likeness. So if you don't do it, 
what he's already gone, we read it, he's already gone before and prepared for us. We simply now have to walk in those truths and realities. Amen. So I want you to see, notice the condition, the quality. You who have followed me. You who have followed me. You who have followed me. Redemption and all its promises unfold by and through obedience. Obedience. I mean, I remember when we stood the first night, I think one person came or two people, it was very little, came. And I was a nervous wreck. I'd come out of the world, but now to touch the gospel, I understood very quickly, that's a different league. Now it's people's lives. Prior to that, I didn't care about people's lives too much. It was us four and no more. I know you were never selfish, so you wouldn't understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) But what I want you to see here In Matthew 29, the promises follow those who accompany Jesus in his journey through the earth. Not in a literal sense, because the Holy Ghost guides us into the works. But Christ is busy bringing in his harvest. And for that, he uses people like you and like me. So now, I'm going to start wrapping up. Joseph's life, just in case you felt you don't understand, I thought the Holy Ghost understands enough, so he's going to give you Joseph's life, which vividly outlines the restoration of God. Let's go on a journey. It's going to take about two seconds, because we haven't got time to unpack it all. First of all, he was forsaken. Woe is me! God, where are you? He gets a vision. And he's so enthusiastic. He goes to his jealous siblings and tells them. He's forsaken by his family. I said, he is forsaken by his family. Now, not his father. They lie to his father. They say he was eaten. Or something like that. So he's gone through all this and he arrives as a slave with this great vision. But his social standing is slave. Where are you on the score? Come on. Let the truth of God's word challenge your heart this morning. He went from having an amazing coat to stocks in a rat-infested prison. The Bible gives no record of him ever raising his voice 
against God, ever. These are not prisons like medium B where you get television and food and everything else. They don't take you for a walk in the sun. You just stay in the dungeon. There are no human rights. We forget these things. Watch this. He's falsely accused for doing nothing. That's how he lands in the dungeon. He's done an excellent job. So much so that Potiphar has given him every bit of stewarding his wealth. But he says, you've like got 95, but don't touch this. So much so that Potiphar doesn't actually know what he's got. That's how he trusts Joseph. And that's how well Joseph stewarded. Now think of this. Do you think the vision left Joseph's mind and heart? No. And just when it looks like, huh, I think the vision's starting now. I'm getting the authority that you said, Lord. Here comes old Potiphar's wife. He was obviously a good-looking dude. Because the devil places in her heart, you want this boy. He's done nothing. He runs away from sin. He doesn't say, I couldn't help myself. Hello. He runs away. He leaves his garment. That's how he is focused on not allowing sin to touch him. He runs away, and we know what happens. She calls the guards and says, this man tried to molest me. So now he's thrown into that dungeon. He's got a baker and a butler. They become great buds there. The butler leaves, and he says to the butler, please remember me when you get out. Two years go by in the rat-infested, still no butler. But God is working. Hello, bless you. But God is working. Come on, in a dungeon? In a dungeon. The one downside about the prosperity message is that we become adverse in any form of contradiction. But that's not the Bible. That's not the Bible. That's why you have faith. What caused him to overcome? His faith in God. That's what caused him. To overcome. But all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, when I get to heaven, I have a question for Joseph. Why did you open your big mouth? (laughs) 
Now, I don't know if you think that way, but why did you open your mouth? Did God tell you, or were you just excited? And so you opened your mouth. But what happens is two years after the butler's gone, and he's back in the king's palace, the king has a dream, and he can't remember Pharaoh, and he, and he can't remember. He, he doesn't have an interpretation, and he brings all these magicians and wise men, and nobody can help him. But then God says to the butler, remember my servant Joseph. All the while, in context, if you understand, Joseph is living out his redemption. He does not forsake God. And it's acute, the things that he is shown. And then what happens, and this is what happens in redemption, the favor of God comes. You are endowed with favor, whether you understand it or not. You are endowed with favor. What is favor? This is very rudimentary in terms of my um, explanation of it, but essentially what it is, people do stuff for you and don't know why they are doing it. They may not even like you. It's called favor, God's favor. And Joseph epitomizes the working of God's favor. So if you were smart this morning in class, family, you would have seen there are four F's. Forgotten, falsely accused, forsaken, and favored. And what I want you to see this morning, that this is not about you in the broader sense of the word. That doesn't mean don't get into condemnation. What this is about is a price that Christ paid. And God will make sure that his blood was not shed in vain. And that that blood will bound down on the devil and keep him in his place of defeatedness. But for that he needs the Spirit of God within you to have the liberty to speak redemptions, promises into life in every and any area of life. Are you with me, family? Are you with me? So we're not looking to go the wrong way. We're looking to go the way, Jesus. So the magnitude of redemption in Christ Jesus is the greatest act. I want you to get this. And I'm not trying to make a comparison with your love for your wife or your family. I'm simply telling you that if you love God, you'll love your wife. If you love God, you will love your children. If you love God, you will love people. And you'll find a place in your heart 
that can forgive people irrespective of what they have done for you. Because as the favor of God came upon Joseph, what transpired is the family were brought to him. Unknowingly, unknowingly, remember, they didn't know this is the little jerk they stuck in the hole and sold as a slave, right? They didn't even recognize him. When you walk in the fullness of your redemption, you become unrecognizable to your former life. Come on, family. Come on. And if the devil can keep you in condemnation, he'll keep you from walking in the image of Christ. Because he knows the power of this truth. He knows it only too well. So, let me close. The promises we have just read should awaken you to an overwhelming sense of the importance of your redemption. And to realize there is nothing that the enemy can do if you lay hold and walk in that promise. There is nothing the enemy can do to disqualify you from being, as you are now, reunited with God your Father. You don't understand, maybe, how passionate God is about your life. I'm telling you. That's why he doesn't take lightly of scandal. Come on. Come on. When Paul was killing Christians, he said to Paul, Why do you persecute me? Yet Paul had never seen him. As Lord, you with me? Redemption in Christ changes you as a person completely. God bless you.